Hi folks, this is Bud Hughes, and it's time to raise the door on another edition of Bud's Garage. Hang on, you're now part of the fastest hour in radio, presented by Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and more. Locally owned family businesses with over 120 years of combined experience. CarQuest nationally branded auto parts and warranties, and Oakwood Tire's wide selection of the best tire brands available. Local professionals to help you find the parts or tires you need, help you get them installed, and back on the road with a smile. Find out more at completeautoparts.net or oakwoodtire.com. On today's show, Daytona-winning NASCAR driver David Reagan joins us. Chevrolet's news and rumors, Bud's vibration adventures, and... The Modifieds of Mayhem, plus a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim, right now on Bud's Garage. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, Tim DePasquale, uh, and DJ Bill, and we're also going to have David Rakin in here just a little bit. Okay. Um, talking well, about... I'm talking sorry. about jelly beans? Huh? Well, what? oh, that's a different Reagan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that way wasn't, different. No. Way different. But that was good, Bill. Well, we, okay. we almost knew who you were doing there. Okay. Back to bed, Nancy. <laughs> All right. Tomorrow is the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't wait. No. That is the biggest race of the year for NASCAR, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. They have their biggest race first. And what's interesting about this is I'm going to talk to Larry McReynolds after the Daytona 20, uh, the 24. Daytona 500, not the 24-hour, the Daytona 500. And he's going to tell me how important that is to uh, a team, mm-hmm. how it can change their whole year if they, you know, show up and run good at Daytona. Right. And I, I think that'll be pretty, pretty interesting. And then we're going to talk to him. I'm going to have a chance to talk to him about the upcoming season. So we'll put that in next week's show. But mm-hmm. uh, all good stuff coming up. All right, last week I mentioned a vibration adventure. Yes. Which almost got turned sideways and... And got us into a lot of trouble. I was talking about a problem I was having with a car I just finished up. Oh. All right. Are you, are you good with sp- Oh, no. It's honest mistake. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, the 73 Mustang. Right. You're ready to go. Mm. Right. Oh. Yeah. So you got it all worked out. Yep. Got it all worked out. I'm oh. going to post a picture of it for, uh, you know, uh, I'll post a picture of it for this show. Okay. Well, what, what was the... Now I'll post David Reagan's picture. Well, anyway, I'll post a picture sometime of the car. Here's what happened. You know, when I got the car, it was it was... It got towed to my place, mm-hmm. and the the owner, I said, please don't buy something until I get a chance to look at it. Well, he got excited, and he bought something and dragged it to my house, or had somebody drag it to my house. Uh-huh. So I never drove the car. Mm-hmm. I never drove the car. And it is a uh, almost 4,000-pound car yeah. with a unibody. Mm-hmm. So it has no frame under it. Everything is screwed to the body of the car, like right. you know your, some of your Mopars and stuff. But... Um, I, after I got the car done, it had a vibration going down the road. And I'm thinking, well, it's drive shaft, it's drive shaft pinion angle, it's this, it's that. And uh, so I, I kind of did a checklist and went through different things. Mm-hmm. The engine didn't vibrate that much, you know, crazy, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it was sitting idling or you revved it up or anything like that. Uh, I took the drive shaft out and had it rebalanced. It had been balanced. I just had it checked by Ron's drive lines here in uh, Gainesville. They do great work. And uh, then I checked, I clocked the torque converter, and I clocked the the uh, um, the pinion yoke and stuff like that, and you know, tried several different things. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and, and he said to me, uh, what kind of fan you got on the car? I said, I got the original fan. I got the original shroud. That's the way we wanted to do it. We didn't mm-hmm. want to put an electric fan on 
says, well, let me make a suggestion. I said, I'm all ears. He said, try a clutch fan on it. Well, they never made a clutch fan for the car, so I had to do some research work to find one that had the right, you know, mm-hmm. dimensions and stuff. And I bought a, a clutch and a fan to fit the, the clutch. Okay. Clutch fan changes the fan speed, reduces it by 50 to 60%. Mm-hmm. So when you're turning three grand going down the road at 65 miles an hour, the fan isn't trying to, the car's not trying to take off on the fan. Right. You know, basically. Right. Okay. Boy, what a difference it made. That was it? Yeah. The majority of it. It's still a 4,000-pound car that's oh, yeah. got, you know, everything bolted to the body. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded, I took it up to Dan Elliott's. I said, let's take this thing out for a drive because he's got several of these. Okay. And he said, man, this, this drive's pretty good. Oh, well. I said, okay, we're good. Okay, we're okay. good. If Dan, Dan says it's stamps good, it, yeah, we're good then to go. It's All good. Right. Okay. Okay, Bill, you got a story for whoop, whoop, for us. <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. Whip it on us. Well, Bud, we have a trivia question in our database. What was the one year that there was not a new Corvette? Once Corvette started coming out, there was one year where there was no, there was, for example, no 1983 Corvette. Or so that was believed. There is one in existence. And it's, it's in the, the museum. Yeah. In the museum. Yeah. And it's an interesting story about what happened with that Corvette. Um, it was built on June 28, 1982, the one that's in the museum. One of the fourth of 43 pilot assembly cars made to validate production processes and test and train and that kind of thing. Um, and then usually what happens is these vehicles are then crushed since they cannot be sold to yeah, the public. Yeah, they have no VIN numbers and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 42 of those 43 cars were indeed crushed. But uh, one affectionately named RBV098 slipped through. It was found by a plant manager in 1984 parked outside neglected. He had it cleaned up, put on display. It got an American flag motif paint job. And then uh, they later changed it back to the original solid white. And uh, General Motors loaned RBV 098 for display in 1994 and then eventually just donated it. And so it's a literal automotive unicorn or an artifact of one of Corvette's most sweeping upgrades ever. Wow. And the car never came out because they kept... Well, they held up. One of the biggest problems was all the all the snazzy cars you saw on TV, like Magnum PI mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. had had uh, a sunroof. Uh, the Targa roof. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a it wasn't a T-top. It right. was a Targa. They had to reinforce the the body of the car, mm-hmm. so they had to raise the the sills. If you've ever had a C4 Corvette, you fall in them. You fall and in you them. Fall out. Of and them. you you climb out. You just about have to have a ladder to climb back up out of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they originally designed them to use T-tops. Yeah. The two-piece removable roof panel split by a central right. bar. Like the Trans Ams right. and all that. Couldn't right. do it. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it. The re-engineering of that frame apparently took nearly a year. Mm-hmm. So that's why the 83s became 84s. Right. And they and, still interesting leak. Interesting story. <laughs> yeah. They still leak. I, oh, yeah. If you, took no. the, if you took the top off and put it back on, I don't care what uh, you did. You never get You know, you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's very frustrating. So, you know but, what must be frustrating? What's that, bud? Just traveling around in space with your car. <laughs> and you know who's still doing that? Captain Kirk? No, Starman. Oh, Starman. Tim, tell us about Starman. Well, <laughs> Elon Musk launched his red Tesla Roadster into space six years ago. Was it that long ago? Yeah, in, in 2018. So it's a 2008 Tesla Roadster. And, and what they wanted to prove was that the, this uh, large rocket, the Falcon Heavy, could launch heavy payloads. Yeah, 3,000 pounds, I think yes. it was. Yeah. So, so they could, when he moves to Mars, he can get his groceries delivered or whatever. <laughs> you know. So, but currently, 
that car is uh, 65 million miles away from Earth, and it's headed towards us. Uh, the next sighting, though, will be in 2047, I think. It'll be close enough if it's if the Martians haven't stolen the hubcaps off of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, do they find any charging stations up there by any chance? Or? No, 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 no. It's just floating around it's now. Floating I guess it, it's in an orbit, and, and they don't know if it's going to get pounded by radiation or hit by a satellite that goes out of orbit. or All the junk we got floating around in space. You right. Know, that, uh, and, and they say that the <laughs> it'll likely crash into either Earth, Venus, or the sun. Uh, Sun's not a good choice. <laughs> no. Well, if you ask the people from Venus, that's not a good choice either. <laughs> and it's going to burn up before it gets yeah. to the, through our atmosphere. So There's we should, a doggone car crashed into the state capitol. <laughs> you know, we had an Elon Musk question, too, last week. Oh, oh really? One of his famous quotes, I would, would, not, would not mind dying on Mars, just not on impact. <laughs> that sounds like a Rodney Dangerfield joke. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, my family bought me a parachute that opens on impact. All right. If you don't have... <laughs> if you're restoring a classic muscle car, Tim, where are you going well, you're to get go help to the, with the parts? Go to the muscle car experts at Year One in Cornelia, Georgia, who provide our podcast so that if you miss any of this great information, you can go to Access WDUN, click the links, hit the buttons, and listen to the show at your convenience or go to your favorite podcast site and listen to the show anytime you like. Brought to you by the great people at uh, where was that? Year oh, one. yeah, year yes. one, the muscle car experts. And one of their specials they've got right now is a Nova trunk latch solenoid, so you can make an electric latching trunk. Oh, that's awesome. And if you do a little exploring, you'll find out that'll also fit a, a Camaro, Firebird, some, some yeah, other things. Yeah, probably fit it. just about a lot anything. Of GM stuff. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff they can tell. Mm. Check them out at yearone.com. Okay. We'll be right back here, Bud Scratch. Welcome back into Bud's Garage, presented by Oakwood Tire and More and Complete Auto Parts. Locally owned, nationally backed, and happy to serve you. Okay, this segment's brought to you by the great folks out at Hardy Chevrolet, where they invite you to find new roads in a Hardy Chevrolet. All right. Do you remember last week we talked about the blue flame engine? Bill, oh, yeah. Do you remember? There was no blue flame superhero, apparently. That is correct. Well, that led to the development of the small block. We, we sometimes call it the mouse motor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, everything from a 265 to a 400 small block right. we had back in the day. Hey, do you remember why it was called the mouse motor? No, I don't. Well, it was because uh, when uh, Chrysler had come out with the Hemi, and they called that the Elephant. Oh, and, okay. And then when they came out with the small block Chevy. El- elephants are afraid of uh, Elephants are afraid of mice, and they called that the mouse motor because it was able to beat the Hemi. Huh. And you well, thought you thought you had useless information to mm-hmm. dispense. Well, I learned that on Bud's Garage, I'll oh. have you know. Did you? Do, by doing my homework oh. several years ago. <laughs> All right. And well. you're just now turning it in? <laughs> yeah. The dog ate it. The dog ate it. Yeah, the, dog, the goats ate it. Uh, wow. Well. Uh, Where was I going with all this? Uh, oh, we I was going to talk about, about the rat. Yeah, the rat motor. The rat was a big block, all right? Mm-hmm. It was a big block. Engines have been a staple of Chevrolet since 1958 with the introduction of the 348 V8. And I uh, I remember working on some Chevy truck engines that were 366. Mm-hmm. They had a taller deck head based on the uh, on the uh, big block Chevy. Uh, first thing I worked at it at my dealership job, I was at a Ford dealership. We had a, a C60 truck come in a chevy truck mm-hmm. and i had to replace the cylinder heads on it 
And it was way, 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 way down, way down in there. Needed a stepladder to get up into the truck, uh-huh. you know, up into and then the another engine. stepladder, and then another to, get stepladder down. to get down. But yeah, <laughs> I think they wanted to see if I'd last more than a day or so out in the sun working on that. But anyway, I, I digress. Uh, when it entered its fourth generation of the big block engines in the 1960, uh, you know, it got up to uh, 427 by that point in time. But the 396 only technically lasted five years. It was replaced by a 402. Uh, which was an engine that was so popular that people kept calling it a 396. Okay. And uh, so it was, uh, then we got into the, you know, the uh, the small gears and the big block kind of went away. But it's, uh, you know, they, they eventually put them into the Camaro, the Nova, and the Monte Carlo. I actually had a 1966 Chevy Caprice that I bought from the original owner for 600 bucks that had a 396 in it. It was an awesome Awesome running car. Yeah. But the windshield dripped on my girlfriend when it rained. She didn't like it, so I got rid of her, too. I kept the car, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just making sure. All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's go to some news and rumors from Chevrolet, first of all. Tim, okay. I'll let you start out with the, uh, the rumor of the, of the week or the month or whatever on the 8.3 Duramax. Oh, yeah. You know, this is this is very interesting that they're talking about. There's a rumor going around that 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 they want to make an eight point three Duramax diesel for the Chevy thirty five hundred, because right now they are rated to tow thirty six thousand pounds. But the Ford F450 in single cab, two wheel drive configuration, 40,000, can can haul 40,000. Yeah. So they're they're hoping that this. I mean, it just brings up so many questions. Though, will the rest of the driveline be able to handle the torque? And oh, uh, I think so on a thirty five hundred. Yeah, that's a pretty big driveline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the transmission will that ten speed transmission work? And, and you know, you get into this. What forty thousand pounds? That's half a tractor trailer. That's yeah, right. And I guess there is a use for that. But you know, I. Being an old guy, I start thinking well, if you about got a, if you got a dozer and an excavator or something like that, and you're you know you're working in, in that mm-hmm. business, you know, uh, you could use something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, at what point is it? Does it make sense to go to a, a class tractor. six or class seven vehicle well, that's got a bigger frame and bigger brakes and bigger tires? But but you see these trucks now, the F four fifties and the and the Duramax diesels that all have big tires and big brakes as well. They, so. they, can, they can handle it. Yeah. What's interesting is that the larger displacement may produce uh, fewer NOx emissions. So, um, you know, it's a big engine, mm-hmm. but it may actually produce less emissions because they lower the compression ratio and stuff on it. Uh-huh. So we'll find out okay, as time goes by. I'll tell you what is interesting. Is they're talking about bringing the Chevy Volt back out in 2026? Yeah, as a plug-in hybrid, and I, I can, you know, we don't have the microphones in the studio, so I can hold the picture up and you can see them. Uh, but just uh, Google 2026 Chevrolet Volt. Uh, that is an awesome-looking ride. Oh yeah, if it would look like that, that would be awesome. Well, yeah, this is computer-generated, but that's not far from what it looks like now. So right, you know, I, I think that's going to be pretty cool. Meanwhile, here in the real world. We have the Chevrolet Trax and the E-Ray Corvette. Uh, now, the Trax are coming in daily at uh, Hardy Chevrolet, mm-hmm. and they do have an E-Ray Corvette on order for somebody. Uh, they're both on the car and driver's 10 best lists. So I called Mike Corman. I'm talking to him. I said, wasn't the Trax kind of a, 
eco box type thing when it mm-hmm. first came out? Yeah. He said, not anymore. Wow. And then I started talking. Uh, you know, I, I went online to look at what they look like. Man, they have changed them. And for 2025, they're going to make that thing look really, really nice. And I think it's going to it's going to fill a spot for the uh, the two row uh, SUVs compact. Mm. And it starts in the mid 20s. Wow. That's amazing. That is. For anything you can buy now in the mid 20s that, uh, you know, is as nice looking as his tracks. And, he, you know, he says they're. He says between them, the Silverado and the Equinox, he says they got, you know, a great lineup. Uh, the Traverse, the Traverse on up, the Traverse, the Tahoe, the Suburban, they're all three-row mm-hmm. vehicles. But they got a good selection of them up there right now at the dealership. Okay. And if they've got a good selection of new stuff, you know what else they've got a good selection of? Yeah, trade-ins. Yeah, they got, you know, they got, uh, they got trade-in stuff that's across the board. Mm-hmm. Pickup trucks, cars, um you know, great service department, medium-duty truck department. We're talking about this big 3,500 coming in. You know, you got a you got a big truck like that's got the diesel and stuff in it. You know, they can take care of it for you, uh, even if you've got something bigger. You right. Know, and they can they can take care of it in their service department. So, good folks to know. Good good place to shop for sure. Now, next month, I'm going to tell you about a new crate engine that's coming out, an LS engine that's coming out for. The LS, LS guys Uh-oh. that are, you know, putting them in. Uh, everything. Everything. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure it's going to be a plug-and-play system, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's going to be awesome. I didn't, I, I didn't want to tell you everything about it this week. But. I, I, I saw a blurb just the other night about uh, the new a new Silverado that they now have a four-cylinder engine in that produces within 50 horsepower of the 5.3 LS motor. And it also produces almost the same amount of torque, but it produces the full torque at 1,500 RPMs. So, like, when you're pulling the boat out of the water, yep. you know, and you really need that torque at, at low speed, and it gets incredible mileage. So, you know, just... That's the, awesome that they can get that torque at that low RPM. Right. Because, like you say, if you're pulling a boat out of the water, yeah. you, you don't need, you know, you need the torque. You yeah. don't need the speed. You need the torque. But if they got it at 1,500, 1500 RPM. Where, where the LS, I think you get the, the peak torque of. of uh, oh, it's up higher. Yeah, yeah, it's up like close to 3,500 RPM. Correct. So you'd have to be really spinning the wheels to get that boat out of the water then. You know what? But, I'm going to do my homework on that. That okay. sounds very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'll check with Mike about it and find okay. out if hey, you, got, you got some of these coming down the line. Yeah. Because, man, that's a lot of torque for a little engine. Right, is, right. What is it, twin-turbo, four-cylinder? Uh, you know what? They they didn't go into detail oh, on it. Oh, oh, they didn't. So right. that that means that you did read an article. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assign you the homework. You good with that? I'm good with that, bud. That's what I love. In the meantime, I'll stop over to the dealership and talk to them and... And find out as much as we can, so we okay. can start even more rumors. Well, they've for got you. to compete. You know, uh, you know, their their competition has come out with four and six cylinder yeah, engines. So true. you know, that's true. You got to stay on top of all that. Well, meanwhile, you want to learn more about Chevrolets? Let's go to Hardy Chevrolet, twenty one fifteen Browns Bridge Road. Remember what Charles Hardy always said. Well, remember, friends, for goodness' sakes, if you're going to do it, let's do it with the Hardy boys. We love you and we need you. We'll be right back here, Bud's Garage on North Georgia's new stop, WDUN. Always here, always local.
Welcome back into Bud's Garage, brought to you by Complete Auto Parts and Oakwood Tire and More. From first responders to daily drivers, the parts, tires, and repairs for what our town drives. Well, our next guest, Tim, I met at the, at the Ice Cold Shriners Bowl at Lanier Raceway quite a while ago when I was teaching at Lanier Technical College. Uh, he was great to work with, uh, always cordial, great to be around. Uh, and he's, It's amazing because he is so cool, calm, and collected until you put him on a super speedway. Uh-huh. And that would be David Reagan. David, welcome back into Bud's Garage. Hey, David. Oh, uh, I'm doing great. I hope you guys are. We are. And it, it's so good to talk to you again. And what, what I'm really excited about is uh, you're going to get another shot at the Daytona 500 uh, this year. Uh, you've hooked back up with uh, Roush Fenway Keslowski Racing now. And uh, tell, tell us about how that transpired. Now we're going to talk about your first uh, Daytona 500 that you ran back in uh, 2011. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's always uh, outstanding to have an opportunity to be in the Daytona 500, the great American race. Uh, it's an opportunity that I don't take for granted. Uh, compete in, in a lot of them over the years, and I've been really close to winning a couple of them here and there, but I really uh, wasn't out uh, searching for uh, another Cup Series uh, opportunity. I'm happy with my semi-retirement the last couple of years. I have uh, went back and, and run a handful of races, but uh, I continue to do uh, all the tests for Ford and uh, Ford Performance Group on the NASCAR side. I uh, do a lot of app track work and some simulation work here at a performance center that uh, we have here in Cord, North Carolina. And the, the Roush uh, Fenway Kazowski team, that they've really done a, an all, awesome job getting better the last couple of years, uh, improving their race cars. And, and it's shown uh, on the racetrack with Brad and, and uh, Chris Bush are both making the playoffs and, and Chris winning some races last year and, and won the last race at Daytona the, uh, uh, last season. And they had a, a great sponsor and, and partner with BuildSubmarines.com that is really uh, uh, pushing hard to uh, let everybody know uh, about the, uh, the employment opportunities that they go with the submarine industry and no better place to get their message across the millions of NASCAR fans uh, is the Daytona 500. So I think they're going to run that number 60 entry and some different races throughout the year. Uh, Daytona is the only one that we've talked about. But, again, the, the Daytona 500 is a race to be a part of, and it'll be fun to get back in a fast race car uh, down there in February. So, David, tell us a little bit about your first Daytona race in 2011. Well, my first one was back in 2007, and Seven, okay. I, I was a, a, a raw a green rookie that I didn't know a lot, but somehow we finished fifth. Uh, I remember it was a, a tough weekend uh, down there. Uh, I, I ran the ARCA race. I think we finished second or third in the ARCA race. I had a lot of momentum. Um, I, I got in an accident in, in the, the dual race uh, in, in our cup car after qualifying in the top five. So I had to go to a backup. We wrecked in the bush race on that Saturday and then go back Sunday, uh, a long 500-mile race, and we crossed the, the finish line. And so well, what a, an up-and-down weekend for my first uh, official speed weeks um, many years ago. And, and my last Daytona 500 with, with was in 2011, uh, leading on a, a white checkered uh, restart at the end. Uh, two laps to go, I get black flag for... Uh, 
proper uh, lane change before the start-finish line. That uh, It was a new rule. Uh, I interpreted the rule a little different than what NASCAR interpreted the rule, and they certainly made a, an example out of me uh, there on, on the two laps to go. And that, that it was bittersweet. We had a great car, led a lot of laps that day. And then the last couple of Daytona 500s, uh, we've had guys in top 10 the, the last couple of years that so it's a long race uh, you have to have a little bit of fortune and some good luck but certainly a fast Ford Mustang uh, goes a long way and uh, expect to have one of those this year again well you you, uh, you bring that up the you know where you change lanes at the end of the race I'm sorry I had the year wrong uh, are, are those officials now working for the NFL because uh, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on over there now too <laughs> yeah maybe they've changed uh, <laughs> You know, the, the things certainly uh, evolve over time, and, and it won't be the, the last time there's a, a dispute between a driver and a team and, and an official. But, again, at the end of the day, uh, they make the rules, and, and we have to play by them. And That's right. So I certainly learned a hard lesson that day, but uh, it hasn't prevented it from coming back and, and trying to get some more. So you probably have more time in the next gen car than some of the some of the drivers that'll be you know racing alongside of you in the Daytona 500. Tell us about some of the testing and the sim work and stuff that you've been doing, uh, you know, in the in the shadows, so to speak. Yeah, the, the next gen car has been a big project and undertaking for the whole NASCAR industry in the last couple of years. Uh, completely redesigned. Uh, chassis, uh, body, uh, transmissions, um, you know, the, the whole drive train, uh, a lot different, uh, independent rear suspension, a, a six speed, uh, sequential gearbox, uh, a lot bigger, uh, wheels that allow for bigger braking, uh, systems. And so the, the car really has changed a lot. It, it took uh, a good year for the teams to really understand the, the sweet spots, where to make the adjustments and, and what to work on. But, Last year was, was really an evolution. Um, the, the Ford guys have won the last two championships, so, so we've done a good job getting um, the race car out uh, at a pretty quick pace, and it, it ebbs and flows. Uh, each team and manufacturer, you know, something, and they can run with it for a little while, and then the next group finds something. So, you know, it, it's really shaken the landscape up a, a lot from a competition standpoint. Uh, in the Cup Garage, you've seen a, a lot of different winners, a lot of different teams up front that you haven't seen before. And, and so it, it's been fun to watch, and, and, and it's certainly been uh, challenging for the drivers to to find that uh, edge on, on how to drive the car and how far you can get uh, to making lap time without making a mistake and, and, and tearing the race car up. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun to be a part of. There's a lot of smart people uh, in the industry that, from an aero perspective to, uh, you know, front-end geometry, the, the tire specialists, and, and, and the engines continue to evolve and uh, be super reliable. So, yeah, it's been a, a fun uh, thing for me to be able to test and, and still be a, a part of, uh, of a group with competition and trying to go fast, but also have that uh, free time where I can be home with my family. Sure. more and mm -hmm. try to be, be a little more present uh, with, with my kids and, and my wife after being on the road for the last 15 years. So are you going to continue in the broadcast booth this season? I'll continue working with Fox Sports and on their NASCAR programming. Uh, that That's a, another fun opportunity that, you know, I can get on and work with their great that um, makes my job a lot easier. I, I can give them my 
opinion and, and analyze some of the, the things that the drivers and the teams are going through and, you know, give a, a behind-the-curtain look uh, to, a, to a lot of things that the fans like to see. And, and they've got a beautiful studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that, uh, that I can be at and do a lot of the studio shows that, um, that, that, that Fox Sports runs, FS1, on, you know, a weekly uh, and daily shows throughout the racing season. Uh, yeah, Fox spends a lot of money and a lot of resources to, uh, to put out some really good NASCAR programming. And so, yeah, I'm fortunate to work with some really, really great uh, on-air talent and some other analysts that, that, that are a lot of fun. And, and I think the fans really are the ones that benefit from having all the, the technology involved and, and man, they cover so many different forms of, of, of racing and yeah, that's a lot of fun. And, and I'll continue to do that uh, a bit uh, here in studio uh, in Charlotte. Good to hear. How can folks keep up with David Reagan and his, uh, his racing this season? Yeah. I mean, keep an eye on the, the Ralph Shinway Keslowski uh, social channels. They do a, a great job of, of behind the scenes stuff that's going on, um, you know, just this week at some seat uh, inserts poured, uh, will be a pit practice, uh, really every week from here on out, uh, working with the pit crew, making sure they're ready to go. So all those RFK, uh, and then all the, the Fox sports, uh, NASCAR programming channels, they'll keep you up to date on, on the times and all the, uh, the shows that they have leading up to uh, the Daytona 500 throughout the season. Fantastic. David Reagan. RFK Racing, thanks for taking the time to be with us here at Bud's Garage. Thanks, David. Yep. Appreciate all the NASCAR fans down in Georgia uh, following along and look forward to seeing you soon. All right. The pride of Unadilla, David Reagan. All right. We'll be right back here at Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk. WDUN. Always here. Always local. Welcome back into Bud's Garage, presented by Oakwood Tire and More and Complete Auto Parts. Where the pros and the folks who know go for parts, tires, and service. All right. We uh, we had an interview earlier with a very busy NASCAR driver. That would be David Reagan. He's, you know, mm. he's driving, he's testing, he's running some races, including tomorrow's Daytona 500. But I'll tell you what, one of the busiest short track managers in the business, in the world maybe, is our next guest. That would be Stan Narison from Montgomery Motor Speedway. Stan! Welcome back in the Bud's Garage. Hey, Stan. Always great to be here with you guys. Really appreciate it. Um, you got some races coming up. What? Uh, tell me hey. what's going on at your track and uh, and what you're doing. Uh, what you're doing this week before you go to your track? Well, you know, um, I tell you, it's it, it, you know, this week we're uh, down here in beautiful Daytona and and uh, you know, getting some things done. The Stars race and. Uh, all the racing over New Smyrna just, you know, just really gets the blood flowing. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we're really looking forward to our first race will be March 2nd. Actually, it's March 1st and 2nd for the Alabama 200. Um, you know, we're no different than the big boys. We start the year off with our biggest event, and it's 200 laps of Pro 8 model racing, paying $10,000 to win, plus we've got the Modifieds of Mayhem, which will be running their opening event, uh, 60 laps, and a uh, good payday on that. Plus, we're running our late model sportsman, which is a, an interesting division. We'll run them Friday night after practice, give them an opportunity to race for one of the coveted bears, and uh, involved in the whole Alabama 200 weekend. Wow. Tell, tell us a little bit about the bear, because as soon as you said the big race, I'm thinking the big bear. Tell us a little bit about the bear. 
Well, the bear is something we came up with a few years ago, uh, and you know, it, it's he he's, he lives in some pretty famous houses, everything from a couple of them at Augie Girl's place. To, wow. To even one over with Chase Elliott's got one of our bears. Basically, what we did is we, when I first started over here, I, I wanted to find something that we could kind of hang our hat on. And, and so I looked around and I said, well, you know, they, 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 they've got the um, uh, Yellowhammer, which is the yep. state bird. Yep. And I got all excited about it and I had the Yellowhammer 100. Well, then I looked at a picture of it and it's a finch. Okay, it's a tiny little bird. <laughs> thinking, well, that's not real impressive. What am I going to do? Put it's a, a hood ornament, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, really started looking around and went, wait a minute, the, the uh, black bear is the state mammal. And so we, uh, I, I, I looked around, found a artisan up in Tennessee, and he hand carves these bears for me. They're beautiful. I mean, just fantastic. Uh, great looking trophy. And that's where the whole hunt for the bear came in. And wow. we rolled this over at the Alabama 200, the hunt for the bears. So, um, you know, it's funny. This week I, I talked to quite a few drivers that are excited. Uh, some of them haven't signed up yet. I think we're already at 26 different registered drivers. Um, three weeks out, that's, or two weeks out, that's pretty strong. Real happy with it. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they all want, they want that bear back at their, at their place. And, um, you know, I'm really thankful for Keith Hodgins and the work that he does on, on putting those bears together. And, it, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to have a one-of-a-kind trophy in your trophy case. That is, that is right. And you got, you got one at Chase's house right now. Yes. Well, I need to go, pick it. I need to go pick it up and put it in the koi pond for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stan, you, how, uh, many, how many cars typically run in that race? We'll, we'll more than likely start 32 cars. Uh, we usually, you know, we'll, we'll lock uh, 24 in on time. Uh, we'll do uh, uh, six from the last chance race, and then we'll have two provisionals going back to the Show Me the Money series from last year. So generally we'll start 32, and, um, you know, we'll just put on a heck of a show, you know, with 200 laps of racing and controlled cautions. It's really a, a, an event that the prolate models don't usually get an opportunity to run. Uh, that kind of is held back for the superlate models. But uh, we really, you know, we felt like with car counts that we have and the participation that we get, that it, it was time for us to put together a, uh, a big race like this, big money race, and give these guys an opportunity to kick the season off with uh, with a grand event like this. That's way cool. Now, this is March 1st and 2nd, and I know you got an event coming up in April, which we'll, uh, we'll call you back and talk about that. How can folks learn uh, about tickets and times and all that stuff for this uh, upcoming race? They can either go to our Facebook page, which is at Montgomery Speedway, or they can go to our webpage. We've got all the information on there, schedules, opening time, um, and that, that's at MontgomeryMotorSpeedway.org or .com. Either one will get you there. Stan Nerson. Stan Nerson, Montgomery Motor Speedway. Man, just thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. I know you're a busy man. We'll let you go. Uh, but we look forward to seeing you at the races. Man, can't wait. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. We get a lot of racers that come over from the Atlanta, really all over Georgia. And happy to have them and appreciate any chance you guys give me an opportunity to talk about Montgomery Motor Speedway. Our pleasure. All right. Okay, Tim, officially this happened last month, but I wanted to bring it up because the Daytona 500 is mm. tomorrow, 
And NASCAR honored the first female Daytona 500 driver with a Hall of Fame induction uh, this year, and that was Janet Guthrie. Uh, she won a particular award called the Landmark Award. And what is that award, Tim? Well, uh, she won the Landmark Award, which is an award given to people who have made a significant contribution and promoted NASCAR's growth and esteem. And she will join Anne B. France and Norma Dusty Brandel as the third woman to be inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Well, from 76 to 1980, she had to overcome a lot of challenges in her career. Uh, she confronted snubs by other drivers, officials, and fans, and had difficulties with sponsorship. Uh, but Guthrie rapidly earned respect on the racetrack. Uh, her best moments as a driver include the first female to lead the pack at a NASCAR race and finishing sixth in the Bristol Motor Speedway back in 1977. Guthrie's uh, sixth-place finish is a record that she shares with Danica Patrick. Okay. Or the best finish by a woman in any NASCAR race. She said here, I confidently assert that I had been able to continue. I would have won in NASCAR if I'd led a NASCAR race, and I'd run with the leaders on several occasions. I drove enough races to be confident that was going to happen, but without sponsorship, as we learned, uh, as we learn in racing, oh yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, and it happens to a lot of guys too. Oh, good, yeah. good yeah, drivers, yeah. but because she was really up against it being in a man's sport. Oh, yeah. Deep in a man's sport. Especially, like, in the IndyCar races and Mm -hmm. stuff. That was back in an era when uh, they weren't real fancy IndyCars, you know, back in the 60s, and they were were a handful to drive. Right, right. But, uh, you know, you would have thought that that someone like a a large sponsorship coming from a company like Maybelline or another cosmetic company like that, but, but then those are the days when... Uh, beer companies and cigarette companies were the main sponsors of well, NASCAR, that's true too. too yeah, so, yeah. Okay. You know, they didn't make a beer for women like a, a silly millimeter longer or something. You know, uh, <laughs> a silly millimeter longer <laughs> beer. <laughs> oh, oh well, anyway, so, okay. I was thinking Virginia Slims or oh, something like all that. Right, some, all right, okay. very good. Bill, you want to get the Kool Aid out of the refrigerator for this next story? <laughs> The Biden administration makes groundbreaking announcement about the future of EV charging. Oh, my God. Can't we just stick a fork in it? Because it's done. It's, it's done. Uh, you got anything to say here? No, the Department of Energy uh, announced a $325 million in new funding to make public electric vehicle they're, chargers. They're going to fix up 4,500 out-of-service chargers, install new chargers in underserved areas, and reduce battery costs. Poof. <laughs> Get out the magic wand. Yeah, right. It's all going to happen. Right, right, right. And, and once the, the guys in the particular places where they find out that there's copper in those <laughs> things. <you know. laughs> our, tax do- our tax dollars at work. Mm-hmm. Um, Unbelievable. You know what's unbelievable? What? That you don't have a classic restoration project going right now with all the classics you have out at your shop. Oh, well, if I did, which I do. Oh, you do? What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got a uh, 57 Chevy that we're doing right oh, now that, that we're heavily involved a in. A Tri-5. Yeah, yeah, right, cool. right, right, right. And it's a four-door, mm-hmm. and it belongs to a retired lady. And it's got a uh, an LS motor in it, and a white wide white walls and a Continental kit. Cool. And I like the Continental kit on the she '57 says Chevy. Yeah. That she likes that she wanted a four door because she didn't want uh, her friends to have to crawl all over her when she takes them out for tea. 
okay. Yeah. So, so where are you going for the parts? Well, if you're going for parts for your antique muscle car, you would go to our friends, the muscle car experts at Year One in Cornelia, Georgia, who provide our podcast so that if you miss any of this great information, you can go to Access WDUN, click the links, hit the buttons, and listen to the show at your convenience, or go to your favorite podcast site and listen to the show anytime you like. Brought to you by the great folks at Year One. All right. Very good. Remember to keep between the ditches, sign your side up. We'll see you next week right here at Bud's Garage on North Georgia's News Talk, WDUN. Always here, always local.